Welcome to the Walk With Me podcast. I'm Pastor Stephen Bond from Divine Church in Chapel Hill, Tennessee, and I am so excited that you are walking with me. What that means is we are walking together through God's Word, just about three chapters a day, and uh, you're going to get the most out of this if you read these chapters independently and then listen to the podcast, but they're going to be short, 10 to 15 minutes each day, so that you can listen to at the start or the finish of each day, and I believe that it'll bless you as it's blessed. Me. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. I'm stepping, I'm stepping out on your word. Today's passage comes from Job chapters 8, 9, and 10. Okay, so this story of Job is one that is very deep. And it really, really challenges our spiritual wisdom, our humility, our sovereignty towards God. If you were to, cre- to create a, a special book um, and just literally take all of the responses of Job's friends and compile them together and have no correspondence between Job and his friends, but just the remarks from uh, Bildad and Zophar and Eliphaz, and you just take um, the things that they were saying and you compile it into a Christian book and you sell it. Um, Honestly, a lot of people would read the book. And a lot of people would like the book. And I don't even think that it would ruffle a lot of feathers in the church world. I don't even think there would be a lot of people to come out and say, this book is, you know, heresy. This is, you know, I just don't think that would be the response from it. And so now we, we get, I say that to say we, we give a really bad rap to his friends. And we really, you know, we demonize them, so to speak. We, we think these are just horrible friends and this is horrible advice. But the truth of it is, the things that his friends are saying are things like verse 5 of chapter 8. If you will seek God and plead with the Almighty for mercy, if you are pure and upright, surely then He will rouse Himself for you and restore your rightful habitation. Man, and though your beginning was small, your latter days will be very great. I mean, that just sounds like a word of exhortation, a word of prophecy. Uh, I mean, just speaking, you know, truth and belief. And man, that's exciting. You know, that that get an amen in any church in the world. And there's nothing wrong with what he's saying, Okay. Um, the problem with it is, is that as you grow in your spiritual maturity, it, it becomes not just a matter of what you're saying, but you have to start discerning when to say it. Okay. Now I've been in these occasions on more than, on more than a handful of times where somebody's kind of going through something. Somebody's kind of hurting. And then all of a sudden, here comes Mr. or Mrs. Super Christian. And they come in there, and they, they are ready. To, all you got to do is believe God for it. Believe God over this situation. you know. And they start just you know saying all this stuff. And even though there's nothing wrong with what they're saying, oh, it's like fingernails on a chalkboard in the spirit in that moment. Why? Because 
even a good word or a true word that's spoken out of time and, and spoken at the wrong time and in the wrong situation isn't profitable. And so, you know, there's been, you know, I'm a preacher, I'm a pastor, I'm a teacher. Clearly, I'm, I, I uh, feel as though the Lord uses me when I speak. That's why I have created this podcast. That's why I preach. That's why uh, we're starting a seminary in the fall. and I'm going to be the professor at it, obviously. But, you know, I've learned that there's a lot of times when the best thing for me to say is absolutely nothing. Because if I don't have in my mouth what the Lord really wants me to say, then I won't say anything. I won't say anything. And uh, there's been in moments where there's a lot of ministry going on, and the pe- one person saying to this person one thing, and one person saying to this person another thing. And I, I was sort of seeking the Lord inwardly in that moment, going, okay, God, you got something for me to say here. You want me to encourage them? You want me to... And, um, you know, I think back many years ago, I'd always find something to say. And these days, uh, sometimes I, I just have nothing to say. It bothered me for a time. I thought, man, what's wrong with me? And as I've grown, I've thought, well, you know what? Sometimes there's nothing to be said. Or sometimes God wants to use somebody else to say it. Or sometimes God, even if you think you know what this person needs, sometimes you know only God can reveal to this person this this secret, this mystery, this breakthrough, this revelation. And I'm going to pray for them in private that he would minister to that to them. But I don't believe that I'm the conduit that where this revelation needs to come from. Sometimes I just feel that. And so well, this is a deep spirituality. This is a this is a place of, of wisdom and discernment when you can really feel when you're having a conversation with someone what what you need to say to them you know um uh, i'll use an example um and this is a personal example you know so i'm sorry in advance for for making this as personal as it is but i can't not share it because it's so relative to my heart um close friend of mine brother of mine got some bad news recently and he, he he leaned over and he told me the bad news and instantly i had a faith response for it um, not, 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 not audibly. I mean, I think I did just say, Hey, God still, God still got a plan for this. You know, I had the, just a short response, but inwardly I started to just think of all the promises of God. And I started to think about how, you know, God's got something, you know, this isn't going to be the end and he's the head and he's not the tail. And, and, you know, I just started to think about all these things to say, but the Lord wouldn't let me say any of them. It was. It just wasn't time. It was out of time to. He was. He was heartbroken over what had happened. He was. He was downtrodden in that moment. And I had all this stuff that was just flowing through my mind that I could say promises that I could declare words of uh, encouragement that I could speak. And it was like the Lord had muzzled my mouth, like nothing needed to be said. So we we were in a worship service and we kept. We just started worshiping, and you know, about thirty minutes later, the Lord really pressed on me. To go and squeeze him. I mean, just hug him. And to not say anything except for, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Oh, wow. Well, that's deep and spiritual. And I quote that. I, no, that, that, that was it. And I went. I couldn't get to him fast enough because the Lord had told me to do this. And I went and I wrapped my arms around him. I squeezed him and I said, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And I started to cry and I was just holding on to him tight. And... You know, that was just a moment for me where it's like I could have just started ranting off all these promises and, you know, all this stuff. But 
That's just not, that just didn't feel like what he needed. You know, it's kind of like when you're, we all kind of have a tendency to do this, but sometimes it's like when your kid is is uh, running and they're not supposed to be running and they fall and they skin their knee. And, you know, they're, oh, they're so upset and everything. Well, there's a, there's a, if we're honest, there's a tendency within us to go, that's why I told you not to run. Well, that's not really the word they need right then, is it? The word that they need right there is, oh, man, are you okay? I'm so sorry. And after the comforting, then sometimes there's the instruction, and then there's the encouragement. But wisdom is not just saying the right thing. It's knowing when to say the right thing. And so I would just challenge you guys to to not be like Job's friends, not just shout out and blurt out all these pieces of wisdom that you think that you have it just at you and just at free at free will because well it's it's good i can say it whenever i want to no really really be waiting and listening for the lord because then when you do speak even if it's not eloquent even if it's not sophisticated even if it's not you can't quote the place that it comes from in scripture when it's a word spoken in the right time folks it's so powerful. A word spoken at the right time is so powerful. And God knows the time. And so that's why his friends get such a bad rap. is because Job is hurting so bad. And he actually hasn't done anything wrong to deserve what he's going through. But in their ignorance and in their supposed wisdom, they assume that he's messed up and he's he's far from God and he's turned his back on God. He needs to turn back to God and he needs to repent and all this kind of stuff. And that was what they had just assumed. But God's ways are higher than our ways. Sometimes we'll look at people too and we'll watch them stumbling and tripping over things and we'll start to think in our own minds, well, you know, maybe if they came to church a little bit more often. (laughs) <laughs> maybe if they, maybe if they, you know, started, you, you know, you just start to work, work on your mind, right? You know, and you may not even be wrong, folks. You may not even be wrong. Their life probably would be better. But at the same time, for all you know, they are seeking a the Lord. They are, you know, in church. They are, you know, doing these sort of things. And they are, you know, tithing or whatever. They're following all these spiritual principles. You know, you look at people and go, well, they probably would be in such financial ruins if they actually gave God some of their money. You know, we start to just think like that. And, and we may, the point of it is, we may not even be wrong in our thinking uh, about these things, but we have to use wisdom to discern what I should say, how I should encourage them, um, how I can be there for them, how I can love them, how I can bless them, how I can pray for them. Not just uh, like a kid eager to, to basically lord it over them what they what they should do and what they should have done and what they shouldn't have done. And Because uh, sometimes we're just wrong, church. Sometimes we're just flat wrong. We think that we know. It's really this, this, and this. Well, it's not really this, this, and this. They're actually living righteously, and they're pursuing the Lord. And what they're going through isn't a punishment for something that they've done. It's it's just God allowing for a test to occur to take them deeper and deeper. And you know what? And when somebody's going through a test, you know what they need? They need the encouragement of the people around them. Not the, the lifting of the nose higher than those around them and the shaking of the heads. It's the encouragement. You're going to get through this. That's what Job needed from his friends. You're going to get through this, Job. It's going to be okay. You're going to get through this, man. We love you. We're here for you. We support you. They should have wrapped their arms around his neck because they didn't have a clue what was going on, even though they were so quick to speak about all these things. And so that's what we read about. And, you know, last thing I want to cover in, in these chapters. These, these chapters are really good. <clears throat> the last thing I want to cover is, you know, at one point Job starts to speak up. And one of the things he says in there is, in verse 33, he says, man, the problem is that even though I am righteous, 
He's saying, my righteousness is unrighteousness compared to God. So Job is filled with actual, a deep level of reverence, humility, and wisdom for how holy God is. And even though he knew he hadn't done anything to deserve what was happening to him, it was hard for, he said, it's hard for even to, for me to make my case because God is so much holier than I am. And even, even if I were to say that I'm holy, that, 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 that my righteousness is, is um, like Scripture says, like dirty rags before God. And at one point, so he finally says, if only there was a mediator, praise God, if only there was somebody, and this is it, this is, this is Job crying out for the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. If only there was somebody that could stand in the gap between me and my attempt to be holy and God who is truly holy. If only there was somebody that, that, could, that could be a mediator between us. And we know that is Jesus. But Jesus had not yet come in the flesh. He had not yet died on the cross. He had not yet um, been the sacrifice and fulfilled of this promise. And so we see that that's, that's really, uh, there's so much about Jesus in all of Scripture. And there is, Jesus is, is in every, in every uh, book of the Bible. And so I'm not going to talk about it a whole lot more today because I know we're going to pick up in it tomorrow. But this is what that uh, uh, Job's talking about uh, in uh, I'm sorry, it was chapter 9 in verse 33 where he's, he, just read chapter 9 because he's just saying, man, if only there was somebody that could mediate this relationship between me and the Father. And somebody that when the Father looked at me, instead of him seeing me, he would see pure and blameless holiness in this mediator. And that we could have a right relationship with one another. I'm almost getting a vision of, it's almost kind of like, and I don't know anything about electricity, so just bear with me. But I almost just think about the big giant transformers, you know, outside of your house on the telephone pole. You know, they're just so powerful. And, you know, it's like uh, they, they don't have a plug-in uh, out there for you to, you know, plug your phone in. You know, you can't climb to the top of that pole and, and plug in your phone to it. And, and and I would imagine that there's just so much electricity coming out that, you know, obviously that would just fry you and fry your phone and all that. And so there's channels that it goes through and it goes to the breaker box and then it goes and it goes to your house and it's distributed in your house and in almost like bite-sized ways in which it supplies enough power to do what we need it to do, but not so much that it would explode or kill us. And, you know, Job's almost saying there's so much power in God. You know, it'll kill me. His holiness is so much greater than mine. And, you know, in these days it was known that if you would look at God, it would kill you. And so he's almost crying out for who Jesus would be. Is there not some way, that is there not some link that could connect me and God the Father in a way in which I, I could contain it, that I could harness it, that I could use it. And Jesus came and said, yes, there is. And I'm going to release the Spirit unto the earth to be that, that connection between humankind in the flesh and God the Father. And it won't kill us to be in His presence, but we can be in His presence in the Spirit in a way that's a blessing to us. And so, yes, just just read through those chapters. And, and we're going to pick up uh, next time we're together in chapter 11. Um, and just continue to just press into this uh, this story of Job. It's challenging, but it's beautiful.